Clark, I thought we had an agreement that I would preach before the choir sang. <laughs> you are the king of the Jews, Pilate says to a now bloody-lipped Jesus. Jesus responds, do you say this on your own? Or did you hear it from someone else? If we read the four Gospels beginning to end, we can't avoid questions like these from Jesus. Jesus seems to enjoy putting people like us on the spot. He relishes the chance to come face to face with us and say something like, well, what do you think? What are you going to do about it? Or do you really mean that here in your heart? Today, we're near the end of the Gospel of John, but there's a similar question in the beginning of John. When Jesus sees the soon-to-be disciple Nathanael coming toward him, Jesus says, Oh, what do we have here, an honest Israelite? And Nathanael, startled, says, How do you know me? And Jesus says, I've been keeping an eye on you. And Nathanael says, You are the Son of God. And Jesus says... Are you just saying that of your own account or is it because I said that I saw you? Do you really mean what you said? Do you really feel it down here? Do you know it down in the marrow of your bones? Across the Gospels, Jesus gets confrontational with us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are replete with face-to-face -face encounters. He squares off with people in every direction. Jesus invites the poor into the very front row of the congregation so that he may bless them and tell them that they are poor and blessed. He interrupts working class people in the middle of a weekday, fishing nets in hand, schedules to keep, follow me. He confronts one of his own disciples when they complain about wasting costly perfume. You always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. He even calls a physically impaired person to stand up, take their mat, and walk. He challenges rich people who have a history of disenfranchising others. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Jesus gets up close to everyone, eventually, and looks us in the eye. And even when we avert our gaze from his countenance, he tracks our sight line and he moves back in the way. Jesus is interested to know what we say about him. Because what we say about him, we say about God. What we believe about him, we believe about God. What we hold in our hearts for him, we hold in our hearts in relation to God. So you are the king of the Jews, Pilate says. And to this worldly, savvy politician, Jesus asks, do you say this on your own or did others tell you about me? Jesus applies pressure even to one who has power to put him to death. No matter, when it comes to pop quizzes about his identity, Jesus is an equal opportunity proctor. When we're baptized, does it matter whether by immersion as a youth or in our adulthood, 
or by christening as an infant, or by the very fire of the Holy Spirit, we are equipped to say on our own, Jesus is Lord. For no one can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord unless we've been captivated by him. Jesus comes face to face with us so that he can look us in the eye and tell if we really mean it. Is our faith genuine? Does it really go all the way down? The very first Baptists, the more I read them, the more I see things that they got wrong. But the more I read them, the more I come to appreciate the things that they got right. The very first Baptists, led by a pastor named John Smith, or as one of my professors called him, John Smythe. I have no idea how to pronounce his name. I'm going to go with Smith, even though there's a Y. John Smith led a group of separatists to establish a new church, and he said, here we're going to have true worship that comes from the heart. And he spelled heart, H-A-R-T. <laughs> I just heard somebody say, of course. Who's, whose last name I imagine is spelled H-A-R-T. Okay, um, just in case you're a visitor. He, he wanted the church to live and worship with the adventurous spirit and the passion that comes from following him, from Jesus. But it needed to be a, a genuine faith, not rote, not tired, not begrudging, but energizing and inspiring and authentic from the heart. I think when we're at our best, we know that's true. Of course, in any church, doesn't matter if you're Baptist or Methodist or Episcopalian or Catholic, any church can become rote. It can become just methodical and mechanical. But there is something about that original Baptist spirit that says, wait a minute, everybody, to the whole church. Wait a minute, everybody. This is supposed to be about matters of the heart, what we hold most dear, the things that, that really drive our, our imagination and our passion. If you've ever fallen in love, you have a good sense of what Jesus is, is asking us to declare and what it means to say from the heart. In fact, these are the last questions that Jesus asked a disciple in this same gospel. John, to Peter, who denied him three times. Jesus asks three times, do you love me? And you know by the time he got to that third question, do you love me? All the meaning, the fullness of the meaning of that question, do you love me from the heart? became clear to Peter as he sat face to face with Jesus. Jesus, loving Peter, addresses him again. He gives him another chance. Peter, is the love you have for me from the heart? Yes, Lord, you know it is. When a couple marries they turn to face each other. I love that moment in the service of a wedding when the couple comes 
closer to the, to the holy of holies, and by that I do not mean me. <laughs> but they take a step away from the congregation into this sacred space. And I always invite the couple, if they're frozen stiff from nerves, I'll take them by the hand and I'll guide them to face each other. And if you've ever, next time you're at a wedding, pay attention to this moment. This is when they are face to face and they're looking one another in the eye and something really deep and, and, and precious and rich happens in that moment. It's a moment I still treasure from my own wedding. The eye contact is powerful. You become lost in the moment. The moment stands out outside of time, outside of history almost. It's, it's sacred time. Time stops, and you come to a, a moment of decision. You are looking at your beloved face to face just before you promise your life. On the reign of Christ Sunday, the last Sunday, as it's been said, of the church year, we have this opportunity, we have this privilege to look Jesus in the eye once again and to confess our true love for him from the heart. And we have confidence to do so, I believe, because we know how much he loves us. I may love Jesus because he first loved me. How much does he love us? Well, Scripture says that he descended into hell. It depends on, maybe you, you read... A different version that he descended to the spirits in prison. The Apostles' Creed, the, the older version says he descended into hell. The newer version says he descended to the dead. Whatever have you, whatever interpretation you want to take from that, Jesus in life and in death comes to us and finds us face to face. There's nothing stopping him. Even the gates of hell cannot prevail against him. So I want you to imagine the, the gates of hell being locked and deadbolted and Jesus just Jesus coming, pushing them open and walking into hell like it's his own jurisdiction again. Walking into the place of the dead. Going to find every lost soul, no matter who you are, who you've been, what you've done, Jesus comes and finds you and turns you face to face with him to have this holy, sacred moment together with him and ask the question, what do you say about me? And do you really mean it from the heart? He even says it to Pilate. Now, with... The with the retirements of, of David and upcoming Clark, with hopefully coming out of this pandemic, after all of the things that our congregation and so many congregations have been through these past many years, I really find this a special Christ the King Sunday or Reign of Christ Sunday today because it gives us a chance to stand back from all of the class five rapids we've been down and check in with ourselves again and say, do I really mean it when I say it? I have this fantasy sometimes 
I'm like that little kid, you know, in the Christmas story when he fantasizes about getting an A-plus on his paper about the Red Rider BB gun, and his teacher's just giving him A-pluses and just goes around giving pluses. I have these fantasies like this, and I know you do too, so stop being quiet. Uh, but as I was reading through this, this scripture this, this week and preparing this, I had this fantasy of myself as an old man. <laughs> Let's say 50 years from now, I'm, I'm 92 years old, and the fantasy part is that I've been invited to be interviewed by 60 Minutes with a bunch of other people who are leading congregations through the pandemic. And the journalist, journalist looks at all of us and, and asks the question, how did, how did you get through that time? And not only how did you get through that time, but how... Did you come through that time with excitement for the church on the other side of all of those challenges? And in, in my dream, my answer was this. Well, Jesus found me and came face to face with me in the darkest of those times. And he looked me in the eye and he asked me, do you love me? And I called his gaze, and for the life of me, I couldn't bring myself to look away. 